Please listen carefully. My name is Jeffrey Sidoris, and this is Process Driven. In this episode, I'm talking to Dalton Campbell, an entrepreneur whose career as a photographer began after a series of setbacks led him to sell everything he owned and move to Europe. He took a backpack, a camera, and what little money he had to his name. His resulting Traveler's Project launched his career as a portrait photographer and reinforced his belief in being present and living for the moment. It's a terrific conversation. I hope you'll stay with me. Here we go. first company in 2003 building race cars okay and doing kind of um, engineering race stuff and <clears throat> building parts designing parts that kind of thing absolutely for okay. race cars okay and it, w- it was great uh, it was it was my first real business we grew it up to 14 employees we had some contract work with microsoft for some of their video games mm-hmm. we had uh, product placement that kind of thing yeah, yeah, basically they took our dinographs from our real-world vehicles and they put them into the game. Okay. And so that was pretty cool. I mean, I was kind of on cloud nine. Everything was going good. And then the market changed in 06 and 07, and we just got slaughtered. Okay. And so we went from 14 employees to, you know, I think it was like a 6,500-square-foot warehouse, and we're selling globally to basically you know, we had three employees working out of my garage wow. trying to keep the company open, wow. trying to keep – everything going. And so in late 2007, I went bankrupt, shut the company down. My house got foreclosed. My cars got repoed. Wow. At the time I was engaged, got unengaged. That didn't quite unengaged. Survive. That's, that's yeah. a nice way to put it. Unengaged. It didn't quite uh, survive the downturn. And, um, I sat around for a month after that and I was like, Holy crap. Being that we were running the offices out of my house, the phone would ring off the hook because we sold globally, so we'd get calls all through the night. Right. And so it was just one of those things where, you know, people were angry. We couldn't pay our employees anymore. I hadn't paid myself in over nine months. Wow. And, we, and was there any like, writing oh on God. the wall leading up to this? Could, could, or did it just kind of blindside you? Uh, no, I mean, we, we felt it coming. We tried to do everything we could. And at the time I kind of had the naive thought that if you can, if you try to do the right thing and you try to take care of people and you sacrifice yourself as much as you can, that it'll kind of work out. And it's, it's in these hard times that you pull yourself out and then things are good again. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes they just don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, right. you know, finally I shut it down and I sat around for a month at a friend's house and I was like, well, damn. So you, you lost every, literally everything. Yeah, pretty much. And um, so in 08, I was like, maybe I'll just, I'll just go back to school. And so I decided to go back to school for business mm-hmm. um, because I, I've, always, I've always created little businesses out of things, even as a small child. Even now, I can't help it. It's like I find someone who's doing something. I'm like, hey, what if, what if we do this to make money or what mm-hmm. if we try this? Mm-hmm. And so it, it's always been kind of like the natural kind of flow of. Of how that I that entrepreneurial kind of, you, you, you just have that, that gift. You have that skill. Apparently not too well, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all evidence to the contrary. <laughs> but, um, so no, I, I went back to school and during that time, it was kind of like the, you, you want to redefine yourself. And sure. I was like, what is good in my life? What is not so good? What do I want to stay away from? What's important? And so at the time I was like, I really, I want to go back to school. I want to. I have all this ability to connect with people now. 
even more so in a in an actual business way. Mm-hmm. And the the thought of going back to school in you know, I, I wanted to, to take over everything. I wanted to do it all again. Mm-hmm. And so went back now, to school as a, as a response to what happened. I mean, are you, are you thinking, had I, had I been more in control, maybe this wouldn't have happened or, or what, what was the, what was the impetus for kind of wanting to take that much control over, over, over everything? Well, I, there, there were some things that I did that were kind of naive and they weren't like selfish things. They weren't, I didn't waste money. It was more of, I tried to take care of too many people and I tried to create something where everybody benefited mm-hmm. and that doesn't always work out. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, if, if you break it down to a numbers game, we started the business on pretty much no money. We never had a surplus of cash because we invested everything back into R and D and our staff was too big. Um, we weren't as shrewd as we, we should have been to properly create a company. But the biggest thing was the market just pretty much almost stopped on us. Just tanked. Yeah. Cause I mean, in, in 06 and 07, we, our gross sales were cut in half each year. For those two years. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, had we been smart enough, we probably could have survived the downturn, but, right. uh, I, I should say we, it, you know what I mean? I blame myself, mm-hmm. but, um, Anywho, so that happened. And once you kind of feel that, that sense of failure, you also realize that it's all kind of imaginary in a sense. And you really can't be hurt. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to, <laughs> before I even did that, I was like, I'm going to run the business club. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get in every club. I'm going to network as well as I can. I'm going to try to tear school up because school is much easier than real life. <laughs> Yeah. And so I went back to school. And was, that hey. should be a t-shirt. <laughs> within, within a couple of months, I was running three clubs and I was doing stuff and it was good. And I really enjoyed learning and going back. I went back to school at 28 and I was like, oh man, this is good. Mm-hmm. And so during that time, uh, from the business club, there was a, a young guy named Michael Roberts and he did website coding. And I was like, oh man, I know people who need websites. And so we started a little kind of website company and we started building that stuff and I was doing a little bit of graphic design at the time which I'm terrible at we brought on some actual graphic designers and once I got around people that were actually creating stuff like that I was like oh man this is kind of neat and I decided okay well I want to do more creative stuff so I brought so for that first year in school I decided that I wanted to learn how to play music and play the drums and so I tried to try to do it it was terrible <laughs> so I sold the drum set and I bought a camera because I was like, oh, I've always kind of liked photo stuff. So I, I bought a camera with the money that I sold the drums for and I started taking photos. Had you had any interest in photography prior to this more than a passing interest? Uh, no. In fact, the only experience that I had ever had was in middle school. They had a, a photography thing that I that uh, a class that you could take. And I took the class. And my best friend at the time was taking the class as well. And there was this girl that I liked, but I caught them in the dark room after oh. we were supposedly dating. So that was oh. my <laughs> and not that it was, I mean, it was middle school, yeah. but I was like, still, those are the oh, ones that sting. <laughs> so that was the only experience that I had, uh, that I had had before then. But as soon as I picked up the camera, I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. And so um, I started offering you know, I was like, oh, well, if you need photos for the website stuff, maybe I can take a couple of them for you. We can, you know, I can save you money. And, and this was so, what type of photography? Product photography or what, what are you offering needed, to shoot? Whatever they needed. Whatever they needed. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I, 
I started to realize that the camera was an extension of getting to know people mm-hmm. and having access to something that you, you'd never had access to before. And so during that time, I started taking pictures of women mm-hmm. and like figuring out that I, I liked taking photos of women and kind of connecting with this feminine energy. And I, I, I really enjoyed it. And are you looking so, at, are, are you starting to learn about other photographers at this point? Or are you, are you, are you purposefully just kind of immersing yourself in your own process? A little bit of, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I didn't really take any of it seriously until the third year of business school. And okay. so this is 2011 or so. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, okay. 2011. okay. And so people around town had started um, referring to me as a photographer, which I felt really kind of weird about. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of fought that for a long time. But even you, though you'd been shooting this, this whole sort of three year period off and on. Yes. Yes. Okay. And um, I kind of fought it because it, it's one of those things where you, you have people running around. They're like, I'm an artist. Right. And so I don't know. And I, I, I really came from a blue collar kind of background mm-hmm. for the most part. And I had never done creative stuff. I, I, I had no real exposure to art. Uh, my family didn't really do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so and I didn't have any friends that did that stuff. So it was all kind of very new. And it wasn't until I met some of the people through the little design thing that I, they started showing me different stuff. And I was like, oh, well, man, that's kind of cool. But for me, it's always kind of been about people. Um, so the, and it's, the, it's kind of, it gives me an excuse. It sounds like the photographs are, are almost a byproduct. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's an excuse to be able to spend time with people in ways that you can't really do in other, in other settings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, that last year business school, the photography became my only source of income along with student loans. And I, I bought my, I think I bought, I, <laughs> I used all my student loan check and I cleared out my bank account to buy a 7D, <laughs> 7D. And uh, all, right. all right, I was like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And so um, I started shooting with that. And, you know, just like for me, it's like anytime you invest. In my mind, like you, you have to back it up. Right. And so I started shooting a lot more and I started kind of making more money that way, shooting anything and everything I could. Did it become more serious for you because of the financial investment? Yeah, no, not really. I mean, money, I mean. I think anybody who's lost a lot of money realizes that it's kind of a fluid thing, Mm -hmm. or at least I, that's the way I treat it. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I'll ignore a lot of things to have the ability to do what I want. Okay. And what I wanted to do was shoot with better stuff. And it's like each time I reinvested my, my earnings into it, it made me feel a little bit more, uh, maybe a little bit more valid. I don't Mm -hmm. know. So I graduated. I had a couple jobs that I could have taken. And I was finishing up school and it was the summer before the last, the last little, little, uh, semester. Okay. And I was, I remember I, I had already been spending a lot of time with Eric Morales and, you know, long discussions about this stuff. And I was seeing how he shot stuff and, you know, he offered a lot of kind of, uh, critical guidance mm-hmm. in a way that I'd never, the way he, he views the world is very different than most. And I, I, I like that. So I was driving to get coffee one morning and I was like, man, what am I going to do? I was like, am I going to go try to get a job somewhere? Am I going to try to take this seriously? Do I do it here? And I was like, man, I should just move to another country. (laughs) And, 
And okay. of course, I was hold like, on, hold I can't, on, hold I can't on, do that. Dalton, Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I drive to get coffee all the time, but <laughs> rarely, rarely do I think to myself on the drive home, I should just go to another country. <laughs> well, it was like, you know, go somewhere. The idea was to get away where, because there's this weird, anytime that you've done several things in a, in an area where people know you for different things, sure, you kind of get attached. You start to believe what they say about you in a, in a, so some people treated me very business wise. Some mm-hmm. people treated me as a photographer, other friends knew me as this dude that, <laughs> that burned this business to the ground, you know, and of course family has their interpretation of, of who you are. Sure. And so I mean, the thought, so I said that in the car right now. I was like, I can't do that. And I go and I get my coffee and I'm sitting there and I'm <laughs> drinking my coffee and I start to wake up a little bit more. And I was like, man, it's like, what, what would it actually take? And so, so I, you, you start thinking about this more seriously. Yeah. About 30 minutes later. Nice. And uh, I started Googling, you know, other countries, what would it take visas, um, I started thinking about how would I actually do this financially? So I was like, okay, what do I own? And I was like, I've got a car. <laughs> I've got, you know, some shitty clothes. Uh, <laughs> I've got some furniture. So I didn't, I mean, I had a little bit of leftover furniture from moving out of the house that I lost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it wasn't, I mean, it's not worth much. But so I'm putting all the stuff together that I had kind of accrued the four years of going to school after losing everything, I was like, okay, it's about $7,200. Like, <laughs> I was like, I could probably do something with that. And, um, and th- this is $7,200 to your name. Yeah. If you, I sold everything at the amount that uh-huh, I thought uh-huh. that I could sell it for. But you've still got school loans on top of that, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And so it, it started to become, you know, as I'm, running the conversation through my head of what would it actually mean? And I think the, the concept of wanting to fully go into a lifestyle and something that feels good to you. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, photography, I was like, man, I was like, I could, this stuff doesn't necessarily feel like work. It's just kind of like an extension of what I like to do. And it incorporates business and incorporates everything that I enjoy about life. Mm-hmm. And well, there had to be something in there too about reinvention, I would imagine, because you, yeah. you're you're saying that that you're you're known throughout this 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 circle of friends for different reasons, and it, it, I would want to get away from from some of that and figure out, okay, who am I, and 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 I'm I mean I'm still doing that, you know, who am I and and where do I want to go? What's the trajectory that I need to be on? And it wasn't that any of those other things were necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, just like anything, it's, it's, it's all how you deal with, with failure. Because I remember, okay, so when I walked into, into the, where they had, like, the business club nominations, and they, they, you know, they're like, oh, if you want to run for office, you know, stand up and give a speech. So I stood up and I gave a speech about how I built this company, and I burned it to the ground because I didn't do business properly. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, if you, <laughs> if you accept me as your president— I can bring real world experience, loss and success sure. to the table in a way that most, most students can't do. And so I got elected. And so, I mean, just like anything, it's like you have to own your, your success and your failure, but treat it all kind of as a, I mean, I kind of treat it as like it's a movie. 
are are a, not a joke because it, there there's real world consequences, but you have to be lighthearted about it. I mean, there is no real. I mean, it's all relative, mm-hmm. I think. And so, I wasn't trying to run away from anything. It okay. was more of the idea of selling everything you own and going somewhere to do something that makes you feel good. It became kind of a romantic concept to me okay. that it was more, it became, I had to do it. So th- th- this wasn't about, you weren't thinking in terms of uncertainty of, of it sounds like anyway, that, you, that you're not even really thinking about any sort of outcome consciously. Well, yeah, it, it's kind of like you have to, pay attention to the subtle differences of what makes you feel good. And I mean, obviously you have good things that, that are ego-based, but you have, I guess it kind of revolves around um, intuition. Like mm-hmm. you have to feel it out. And if it feels right, sometimes you just got to go for it. Um, but I've also, I'm kind of one of those weird optimists that like I can make, I can kind of talk myself into anything mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, but it was just one of those things where there was this balance to be had and I could feel it and I wanted it. And it and became what, more important than the risks that were involved by not, you know, by doing it. Sure. Sure. Now what, what kind of time frame from, from the, the, the cup of coffee where you're, you're sort of entertaining this getting more serious throughout the day. At, at what point is this, is this a done deal? And it's, and it's just a matter of planning and time. Uh, I guess whatever a semester is, what's that, three months? Mm-hmm. Something like that. So it was about a three-month period. And so I didn't really tell anybody until about two months. So about a month away, I started telling my friends, and they were like, get out of here. And I told my <laughs> no, mom. No, you're my, not. <laughs> I, told my, I told my mom, and my mom was like, honey, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I explained what I was feeling in, in what was important to me. And my, and my mom goes, Okay. She goes, you know what? Whatever help you need, I'll help you go for it. That's I'll, terrific. Thanks. Yeah. But my mom's awful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you hear so many people that kind of live a life with very difficult parents and mine is definitely not one of those. Yeah. But so I sold everything and I think I left with $7,100 or something like that. And I had worked, I, I tried to work as much as possible doing every single little photo job that I could do up until that point. Okay. And now you, you, you decided to go where? Um, I, I originally planned cause for some reason I just thought Sweden was really cool. So, okay. but then I realized that I'd be going to Sweden in January <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it, it also, and I was like, wow, it gets really cold there. And I live in Texas and I was born and raised here. Okay. Um, and so I, I, I quickly ruled that out because it's not, I mean, if I'm doing street photography and, I, and if I'm trying to meet people, um, that's probably not a good idea. So I flipped it down and I started in Portugal. Okay. In Lisbon. Um, there was an article that I, that I read where someone liked it and I was like, you know what? That feels good to me. We're going there. And so I booked the flight and I basically packed everything up into one pack. I had my laptop at the time I went over there. I had worked a bunch and I bought a, a 5d Mark three. So it had just came out and I went over there with a single monopod, my camera. Uh, I think I had a, my prime 50, which is my favorite lens. And mm-hmm. I went over there and I stepped off the plane and I was like, Oh God, <laughs> what, what have I done? 
but it was it was pretty great. I had never been in another country. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen, but it was okay. Yeah. And I walked into the first hostel after it took me almost two hours to find it because I didn't really know where to go. And I walk into the living room and there's a couple of Australian fellows sitting down there and they heard that I was from Texas and they immediately wanted to do shots. And so we did shots and the, the, the uh, adventure began. And so fantastic. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I mean, again, this, this was the first story that, I mean, you and I talked about this via text message several months ago. Uh, and, and it was just, it just blew me away because I, you know, if, for those of you who, who, who have listened on taking pictures or, 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 uh, listen to the last episode of the show, I am not a leaper. I used to be, but, but something changed. And, and this, this decision, how you, how you arrived at it and then following through on it with with what sounds like very little if any reservations is fascinating to me well i mean all all the things kind of go into everything kind of goes through your head mm-hmm. but for me um you know if it if it feels right i will just let those other things just kind of flow through me and right, right out of my head and so I just, I, I knew it would be okay. I knew it was right for me. I, I knew I had to do it. Um, I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but I knew if I went over there with my camera that it would be a new place that I could be just that. Mm-hmm. I could be me with the camera, living this lifestyle, connecting with people without some of these other kind of um, identities. Not that they're, uh, you know, they're not like sure. a different person or anything, but you know. You said something in an interview that, that uh, I forget, it was a magazine. I forget what magazine it was, but you, you said something to the effect of when, when you're traveling alone, everything is new. Everything's oh. interesting. Everything's alive. And you pay a lot more attention to detail. Well, yeah, of course. Um, especially when you don't know the language, you don't know any of that stuff. You You have to be kind of hyper aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I mean, as, as a person who takes photos, you, you already kind of look at the world in a different way. You analyze it, you pay more attention, you know, you see what people are looking at, you see their gestures, you know, you pay attention to that stuff. And it's even, it's on, it's like going traveling. It's like doing that on Adderall, right? Because there's so much going on and there's so much to see. You have to pay attention. It sounds like you, you, it sounds like you would do it anyway, whether you had a camera or not, that those are things that you notice anyway. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for starting to take photos, I wouldn't even because I was never a traveler. I, Just I never in, really in terms of, of even yeah. watching people, you, you wouldn't. Oh, you well, wouldn't... I've, always, I've always watched people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess part of it, I can think back to I would sit there and. You know, uh, I was a latchkey kid and I would go stay with my grandmother from time to time. And she always watched detective shows. Right. And she always she would question me on what was going on in the show. And whenever I would go to anybody's homes, I would look at their stuff and try to see nice. what their story is and what they do and why. Why do they have these items? So I've always kind of. So been, you're building backstory. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, and I think 
again, the, the photo stuff creates kind of a harmony with that kind of thought process anyways. Mm-hmm. And so, but if it wasn't for the camera, I would have never, I would have never gone anywhere. I probably would have tried to do something a little bit safer or a little bit more responsible. Okay. But it gave me the catalyst to, I don't know. It was the right thing for me. Does the camera make it easier to approach people? Does having a camera in your hand, is, is, is it almost, not, not an uh, excuse, that's the wrong word, but. It, it kind of is an excuse though. Okay. Uh, for me it was. I mean, during that time that I was going to school and I was, I was shooting more, I w- I've never been one to carry my camera around. I don't have it on me all the time. Like every time I go to take photos, it's because I've planned it with a person. Mm-hmm. I've had a discussion with a person already. Um, and then when I met Eric, Eric always had his camera and he would just shoot people and he'd go up and he'd talk to him. And I would never do that kind of stuff. I always felt this huge, um, I would have to approach the conversation very differently. I could never take a, a photo of someone on the street. I felt awkward. I felt uncomfortable. Is it and invasive so, in that way? I mean, is, it is, felt, it felt like it, mm-hmm. you know, but I knew that if I could get away and I could go somewhere where I had no, I, I that I didn't have a a crutch to fall back on or people to talk to that I would have to approach it. And so in that sense, it became a tool to go up and initially make contact and ask people questions and spend time with them and ask them if I could take their portrait and create that life that, you know, that is a a photographer. Mm -hmm. And so within about the first three days, the past four years of difficulty doing that went away. And now I have absolutely no problems going up to anybody and being like, hey, I'd love to take your portrait, you know, Mm. whatever. But I always had a huge block with that beforehand. And so that was kind of like an underlining thought. If if I could go somewhere, maybe that would help me change some of the problems that I had with taking photos of people or at least going up to anybody and doing it. Mm -hmm. And did you, are you giving out? copies of these are you emailing people are you are you getting prints done or is there any sort of exchange beyond the experience and the time uh no i mean basically a lot of it's sharing on facebook Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. i would i would immediately you know after that they're like oh where can i see the photo i'm like hey if you have a facebook add me i'll send you your photo via there you know what i mean and so i started seeing all these different foreign people with their profile images changed to mine wow and a lot of it a lot of those people i still talk to weekly um, in fact, I've made it a point since I've been back to, to go visit people that I had certain connections with to keep that going. Wow. And so that's been kind of, I haven't been back to Europe since, um, I was there for about three months before I ran out of money in, um, Belgium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, I ended up having to come home, which I expected to happen. So you, you went know, from, I, from Portugal to Belgium directly? No, no. So I spent three and a half weeks in Portugal. Okay. Um, within the first week I was trading uh, hostel stay booze and food with the owners <laughs> in exchange for promotional photos of people. Um, and they basically said, you know, we love what you've done here. Uh, can we take you with us and some of the managers into Spain and you shoot our other two hostels and you can stay and drink and eat for free. And I said, well, I hadn't planned on going to Spain, but sure, let's go. Wow. And so I spent a week and a half like in, the, um, in Malaga and Granada in Spain. And then I came back to Portugal. I said goodbye to them, but they had hooked me up with another hostel because apparently they all know each other. 
uh, for the most part, um, to have conventions and such. Uh, they hooked me up with a place in Nice, which is in the south of France along the French Riviera. And so I went and I stayed with them and I started working for their hostel, doing stuff which gave me access to all their staff, which, you know, anytime you can go somewhere and be with the staff, you, mm-hmm. you get a very different experience. And so, but during that time, within about the second day, I, I knew I wanted to start a project, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And I knew it was going to be portraits, obviously, because that's, that's mainly what I do. And um, so when I got to Portugal, you know, trying to figure out the light and what time of day and what you want to do. And so I found that because of how a lot of European cities are built there, you know, you have tall buildings, very narrow alleyways. And I started to see that whenever I would center a line, someone, it creates a forced perspective. Mm-hmm. And the aesthetics of that, I was like, ooh, I kind of like that. Right. And so I started shooting each person in a different alleyway, in a different way while having a conversation with them, you know, and travelers are, are very open. And so the portraits, a lot of times are seen as very warm. People are laughing. You know what I mean? It's, it's very personal. Yes. And so I decided, there's an intimacy there. Yeah. I was like, after about the fourth photo, I was like, Hmm, I guess this is going to be my series. And so I just continued to shoot it. And some rules I would break for certain times that it just didn't work. Um, but for the most part, they kind of follow that aesthetic. Right. No, they're, they're, it's, it's, it's really beautiful work. Really beautiful work. So you come back and what's next? What, what, what then? You take this, this wonderful experience and what do you do with it? How do you, how do you decide, okay, I'm out of money, so I've got to go home. I was trying to figure out how could I get the most out of my money coming back? And so I booked a flight or I booked a bus to London so I could hang out in London for a couple of days. And then I booked a flight back to New York and I was like, I've never been to New York. So I had a couple of friends up there and I stayed in New York for a week and a half and I photographed and I hung out and I had a plane ticket back to San Antonio, which is my hometown of where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Wait, so, so when you, when you went you you went one way. You hadn't. It was yeah. I had no return ticket. Wow. And I didn't even think about what was going to happen. Respect. <laughs> Huge respect. I just know I had. I knew I had to go. Yeah. And it, I don't know. I, I guess you can call that kind of blind faith. But it's it's a it's a terrific story. <laughs> it really is. It is. It is so inspiring. I can't even tell you. I I I, I you know I think about it and I go. I don't know that I could do it. I don't, I just don't know. I don't know that I could do it. I don't know that I could do it. You know? And, and I've kind of thought about it. Cause when I, as soon as I got back into the States, I, um, I started to kind of analyze and I kept a blog during the time and I've never kept, kept blogs. I'm a terrible writer, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I did it as an excuse to be able to post photos and people who would identify with that, you know, kind of journey could pick it up and run with it there. But I started to think about, what do you do now that you're back? How do you... Yeah, what, what, what's, what's the result of this? Um, I knew I was probably... I was trying to think of where I could come back where I had a support system where I had already been doing some work, which that was Austin. And mm-hmm. I had planned to come back to Austin whenever I knew I had to come home. Now, you, you've mentioned Eric Morales several mm-hmm. times. It's, were, you, were you guys in touch while you were gone? Yeah, just, I mean... Over Facebook mainly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Um, I'm not that big of of a communicator. Like I don't make sure I call people weekly. I, I don't really 
I mean, if it's convenient, if you if if he was online, I would chat him up a little. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really talk to him that much. I had kind of went over the portrait stuff, and he said, you know, he was like, I like it. He's like, good. Continue continue to ask questions to yourself about what that stuff means to you. Keep following it. I was like, okay, cool. And so when I got back, I started to make a list of things that I wanted to keep mindset-wise from the traveling. And one of them was you, it's very important to say yes to situations that, you know, you normally wouldn't because that's what you have to do when you're traveling. You know, you meet people that you would normally not hang out with and they say, hey, do you want to go to this beach today? And you, you have to say yes. Mm-hmm. And Were you not almost, like that prior to the trip as much? You know, I've always kind of been someone who goes with a flow but just like any any life you get trapped into these ways of living you mm-hmm. know you're like i i'm gonna go home this way every day because of traffic and the whole time that you're driving through the city you're thinking about your phone or god forbid texting right or you know what i mean doing all these things to pass the time instead of being aware and when you're traveling you experience all those things mm-hmm. and it's so it's like when you get into a normal life, you're almost an autopilot and just time goes by. So it's easy, it's easy to lose that sense of presence. And that's something that you, it sounds like is very important to you. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so there was that. And I knew that I could finally call myself a photographer and not flinch at it. And that was kind of important. Without that sort of stigma that you'd experienced before. Yeah. And so when thinking about, okay, what's next? I was like, I am going to build up my business. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I do and I'm going to try to, you know, build clients and I'm going to try to continue to work on my stuff. And I'm going to continue to try to push myself in the same pace that happened when I was there. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's been, been almost a year now and I kind of feel like I've done that. Do do you, do you think you would be in a similar position had you not gone to Europe or was that kind of the, the catalyst or at least one of the things that ended up being a catalyst for getting you where you are right now, emotionally, creatively? It was pretty much like steroids uh-huh. to what I was doing. Um, and I think having that experience, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I would be now. I mean, I might've given up on photography or I might've tried to take some kind of job that's safer or, you know, all the different things that you try to do to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, but going over there and sleeping in hostels and not having much on your back and doing every day for one singular purpose, it, it changes you because you realize that a lot of the other stuff doesn't really matter. You know, um, I mean, even now, like I have a piece of shit car that I don't even care. I mean, before I, I would have wanted something nice, but now I don't even care. I mean, I, I mean, from time to time I do care when it's hot and there's no AC, but <laughs> yeah. it's more important to continue to, to invest money in the experiences and the opportunities and the gear that helps me elevate what I'm doing. So more everything so has a purpose in that respect. Well, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I live a very trim life now. Like mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can go travel somewhere and be gone for a month and it's okay. You know, um, and I can travel light. I can move. In fact, I just moved and I think it took me two trips in the back of my truck. Wow. And so it's, you know, you forego thing, you forego some of the material stuff, but you gain the flexibility to, to do anything at any time. Mm-hmm. 
And at this point, now that I've experienced that through traveling, you realize that a lot of the stuff is just kind of fluff. You know, the stuff it, that it, we it, tend to, 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 to make important mm-hmm. that uh, material things that hold you down. Okay. And I mean, that's fine. If that's what you, that's what you want to do. If you have a family, you have different priorities, of course. Sure. Sure. But it all matters or it all boils down to what do you really want from your life? What are you, what are you trying to do? And the, there was one other thing that I kind of came back with was the importance of following kind of your gut instinct and things that give you energy, you know, experiences that give you energy, people that give you energy. It's important to pull more of that into your life and to give to that. In what way? How do you mean? Making yourself available, spending more time with those kind of people. If they give you energy, if you get it, if you walk away from a conversation with someone that makes you feel good, you find ways to keep that conversation going. You try to be of service to them. You try to do things for them. You, you, you try to make businesses with them, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And people and situations that pull the energy right out of you, you have to, you have to aggressively push out of your life. You've got a great sense of, of, being able, it sounds like it, to be able to recognize those things. It, it, is it learned? Have you always been that way? Mm. Have you always been able to, 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 to be present enough to go, I'm getting something from this or it's a drain and I, and I, have, to, I have to distance myself from it? Does that make I, sense? I want to say for the most part, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just more evolved now. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me also say that, you know, Pushing stuff away. I'm not talking about hard work. Um, right. I'm not talking about. There are difficult situations that you have to forge through. There's there's difficult things that you have to challenge. There's things you have to take care of. But what I'm referring to is, so say you're in a, a social circle and there's someone that that's in that circle that it just pulls you down every time. Mm-hmm. But maybe they have some value in that circle, so you hang around with them at the expense of some of your own happiness, like mm-hmm. that, that, that's, that's unacceptable. Right. Push those people out of your life. You're not doing yourself nor them good. And the same is with situations with jobs, like get that stuff out of there. Right. Like life is too short to, to burden yourself with that stuff for, for what, to have a new couch yeah. or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of lucky to have found something that gives me a lot of freedom and puts me in front of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, out of high school, I went to automotive school. So I worked on cars for a lot of years and I didn't like it. Right. I didn't really enjoy it until I started the company and we were building race cars and we were doing cool stuff. And it was more of the act of making connections with people and selling people on things and, and doing really cool stuff. That's what I got excited about. But right. the mechanical process of it, would drain me. You know, I, I was one of those people that would throw tools, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause it, it would frustrate me so much. Right. And this is the first finding photography is the first time where all of that is gone. Would you credit the people in your life, whether they're friends like Eric, or you mentioned, uh, George, who I'd love to talk about. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I, I don't, you know, my, I know George Kraus through Eric Morales. Okay. And I've been to his home. I've had multiple conversations. We went and 
visit. He had a huge show in Dallas. For, for those people who don't know, who tell me a little bit. Who is George Kraut? He's the, a renowned photographer and artist. Okay. Um, and we'll put a link in the in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, probably butcher some of his facts, but I mean, this guy at twenty three had an exhibit at MoMo. Hmm. Um. He's just one of those people that you know. I spent the last four years trying to put the right people in place in my life, and people like Eric, and then you know. When you were talking about process-driven and why people do stuff, like George is one of those people. Eric is one of those people that stand out in my life that are doing things for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, and take, for instance, George Krause has lived a life, of, a life of excellence. Like, he's the nicest. The things he's done, but he's so nice. Like, we, we, we would go to his house and just sit there and talk about women and drink wine. And he's just so, you know... He realizes that all the success and all this stuff really the only thing that's actually important is if you're if you're happy and you stay focused and you do the things that give you life mm-hmm. or as bring, I call bring it, joy it, to your life yeah sure and you you try to share those with as many people as you can, and there really isn't i don't know if there's much a much better recipe than that mm-hmm. to to living kind of a balanced life, but yeah I, those those kind of people in your life are so important. Especially in a creative person's life. Uh, Are you actively seeking these kinds of people or do you find that they, f- it's, it's more of serendipity. They find their way. It's both to you. I mean, mm-hmm. just like it's, it's definitely both just mm-hmm. like anything you have to put in time and energy to get to know someone. Mm-hmm. You have to have the respect to try to, to spend time and ask some questions and, you know, share and so I, I think it's kind of both, but it's funny how life will put you in front of people that are like that. If you're, if you're in kind of a harmony with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Would, would, would the race car builder be as receptive as the photographer? Mm. I would hope so, mm-hmm. but it's like it, it, my life is so different now that even, I mean, it's not like I'm a different person, but maybe different priorities oh yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. but i've always been a builder i've always wanted to connect with people Mm -hmm. and this catalyst is just so much better for me not that the other one wasn't i mean it was we did some cool stuff but this creates kind of a synergy in my life where the other was enjoyable but it I, i didn't have the same balance right right uh switching gears for a second can we uh, can we talk a little bit about Jedorowski? Um, Jedorowski, <laughs> Jedorowski. Uh, I, so there's this, <laughs> and this just goes to show. This whenever, is a great story. This is... Whenever you say yes to people, um, <laughs> or yes to situations. So there there is a service that photographers can use and clients called Thumbtack, and it's a internet based service that basically you know you create a profile um, and people will submit. Uh, you know, we're looking for a photographer for this, and this is what our budget is, and you know, blah blah blah. Okay. And basically, it allows five professionals to respond to a bid and make a bid, of course, that you have to pay for. And so, I ended up creating a bid and whatever dollar amount I submitted, but I submitted it, and I get a call back, and it's this guy from from L.A. and he was like, "Hey, this was during South by or mm-hmm. leading up to South by," and, he, and he's like, "We're starting a publication here in L.A. called Bright Ideas." And we want, um, we like some of your portraits, um, and we don't have uh, a photographer in Austin at the time. Mm-hmm. And we need two different, uh, we need uh, 
Jedorowski shot, and then also the Zellner brothers, which are directors. Uh, okay, so, so wait, one one sec for those for those of you who don't know Alejandro Jodorowsky, uh filmmaker is he's Chilean, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, recently, got a lot of juice for his his uh, uh, a documentary about his his Dune project. Yep. Fair to say. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's his first movie in twenty years that actually made it all the way to you know uh, distribution. Um, and so at the time I didn't even know who this guy was, but I was like, yes, of course I'll do it. Yes. <laughs> you know? And so I started researching who he actually was and I was like, oh, damn. Okay. And so I knew I wasn't going to have a long time to shoot with him, but this was all done online. I show up at the four seasons here in Austin and I had about eight to 10 minutes to shoot him and he's 85 years old. So mm-hmm. I went up and he, his English is pretty good. But, you know, I walk up and he's got his people around him and I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to shoot him because the lighting in this hallway is terrible. And so I ask him, you know, can we go outside? And he, he's like, I am. I am an old man. I I sit here. I was like, OK, <laughs> yeah. polite. Okay. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, luckily I brought a light and I, I set it up and. I I shot it real quick and the the images they're they're not epic by any means but you have to you have to work with what you can. Sure. But uh during that conversation when I was saying goodbye, you know, I was like if there's any other photos you need during your stay, you know what I mean? I'd love I'd love to, you know, come help with anything that you've got. And, he, and, and you're saying one, this to him or his people? To to him and his people because mm-hmm, they were mm-hmm. both standing there together. Mm-hmm. Um and the PR guy was like, "Well, we kind of need some stuff at his movie screening and um they asked me to, they, they said, you know, if you can shoot some of this stuff, you can sit with us at the, you know, sit with the family during the screening. Wow. And I was like, great, wow. let's do it. And this is a screening of Jodorowsky's uh, Dune? Uh, not, uh, not that. It was a, a dance of reality. Ah, okay. You know, and that's just one of those things. Like when you, when you make yourself available and you say yes to situations and you try to do things of service, I think, you know, sometimes little cool things like that work out. Mm-hmm. What would make you say no? If it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time, if you're kind of present in what's going on in your life, you, you can you can kind of pick up on those things, I think. Um, but if it the, I don't know, man, I, I can't seem to find. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think part of it is discerning what what is actual, you know, what your fears are or what you're what you perceive as something that's not worthy of you, mm-hmm. which is the ego. And it. it if you're making that decision through the ego, I think you can lose out a lot of times. Um, but that's where you have to, if it feels right, sometimes you just got to jump on it. It sounds like, and I, I, I really love listening to you speak because, uh, well, several reasons, but one of them is so many incredible experiences have been a result of just saying yes, of just showing up, of just being present, of being willing to be in a moment. Yeah. And again, I find that fascinating because I, I so easily lately, especially fall into this. Well, but what if, but what if, but what if, and I take myself out of the present and, and, and in some weird way, project myself into a future that hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure is going to. Yeah. And you just create paralysis. Yes. 
I don't. Uh, What's the that's, secret? <laughs> that's a hard one. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, for me, a lot of it is just I, I have this ability to ignore things that I probably should pay attention to at times. Mm-hmm. But I think it's offset by the possibilities of being in the right place in the right time and being open. Well, even even you know the way you spoke about about the business failing, it wasn't so much a failure as it was a setback. Oh, it was a failure, you know. <laughs> but it didn't destroy you. No, no, not at it all. It didn't. It didn't. I mean, you're not sitting for months and months at a time, you know, uh, in a bottle or or oh, you know no. whatever. I mean, it was it was something that it sounds like you 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 accepted it, you learned from it, and went, okay, what's next? Now what? True. You know, and that's, that's a fantastic quality to have. Yeah. I mean, currently with the photo stuff right now, I kind of feel like I need to kind of figure some things out because I feel kind of stale. In, in what way? Creatively? What you're shooting? How you're shooting? It's the stuff that you're shooting. Does it even matter? Or are you just spending time? Mm-hmm. Some of the differences between myself and some other photographers is they have some grand vision that they want to express or they're, they're trying to create these timeless pieces. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even remotely think that I'll ever do that kind of stuff. But for me, I kind of approach things in a more practical sense of is what I'm doing. Does it help people at all? Does it, is it at least a beautiful image to look at? And that's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to create. And at the same time is because I have no formal art training. I have no, I'm figuring out kind of how to ask questions through the process of what you're creating mm-hmm. and how do they relate to you and trying to find myself in some of the things that I'm shooting. I think also part of this, I don't know if I've necessarily found my style yet mm-hmm. or whatever that is. Whatever that means, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I still feel like I'm on the upslope of education. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I, I, I did a fashion shoot on Monday and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe this was, was one like, for the no pile. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. That, that kind of stuff, I think, happens. And mm-hmm. I think part of that also is because I always, I seem to continuously put myself in situations that don't necessarily repeat. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of times where when you're in the middle of it, you're like, what am I doing? And you're like, okay, break it down. You're going to do this. You're going to frame it this way. Okay, good. Okay, talk to the person. Right, <laughs> and so right. you have to kind of just kind of, Talk yourself Go through back it. through the basics. Yeah. And then when you see the images, you're like, okay, they're all right. We're good. Okay. But I think that's just part of never, I don't, I don't ever want to be totally happy with stuff. And I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? It's my, with, my what are you, what are you referring stuff. to when you say it with stuff, with, with your career, with, 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 with your photos. life, with what? Strictly with photos. Mm-hmm. The, the life, the life area, I think I'll, I'll always have balance as long as i can maintain it which i'm pretty sure i can mm-hmm. um strictly talking about the photo stuff that i don't know it's like the the work that i look at that i really enjoy feels like it's a million miles away from the stuff that i that i currently know how to create because at this point in terms I, of of stuff by other people you mean yeah yeah, yeah. So, i mean some of the you know some of the people whose work that i follow and i'm just like holy crap you know, mm-hmm. and so I'll study the work for a little while, try to see from a technical standpoint of how I can apply that and then make it my own. 
and bring myself into the situation and how I deal with people and how I shoot people. But it's, it's one of those things where everything that I've learned is, you know, it starts almost by accident and you kind of learn, kind of reverse learn it. Mm -hmm. You're kind of breaking it down as you go. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's been most surprising uh, since you've been back? I'm trying not to fall into like a, a very, I'm trying not to fall in the rut of it's the same old thing. How do you mean? Well, like proactively trying to travel away or taking on projects that I'm, that I've never done before mm-hmm. to make sure that I don't fall into doing the same thing to where you become stale, mm-hmm. not only in the work, but also in life in general. Mm-hmm. What's, what's next in terms of personal projects for you? I notice you're doing a lot more video. Is that, is that personal? Does that want to make its way into professional or is it just to be present and, and for the experience of doing it? Ah, I like the video stuff. It's, <laughs> it's so hard. There's so much more that you have to do. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, in fact, the, the whole reason I bought back in the day that I bought uh, a Canon 7D to do videos because I watched something on Vimeo and I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. That's what I want to do. I was like, Oh, I want to be able to make something that beautiful. I was like, Jesus, how do we do it? And so, yeah, I mean, I've been trying to do it and it, it's the same thing. Obviously it's a little different, but it, it, the, the two flow very, very well together. Photography and videography. Mm-hmm. And Are so, you approaching it the same way in terms of you're just diving in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, the thing is like, I mean, I, I've started charging people for certain things. Um, but it's one of those things where I don't charge much because I know that I don't feel that I'm there yet. Mm -hmm. And so it's try to create solutions while honing the craft. Right. But in the meantime, you're shipping in the meantime, product is getting out the door. You're making relationships, you're learning, you're getting better. It's a, it sounds like it's a win-win. Oh, I hope so. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i i think so and they, they work well together mm-hmm. and so i'll continue to 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 try to pursue that do you approach your your career in terms of of a future well i'm not i've never been a whole lot of a i've never been much of a planner like i, I obviously will plan out so i'm like this has to happen this has to happen we go here now this is what we do but as far as what it all means and trying to anticipate how people are going to react to stuff and how you're going to react to stuff, like it, it seems exhausting to me. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? And I know that that's probably a little short sighted, you know, so there goes, there goes my political career. (laughs) Yeah. But this idea of, of, of being, being true to a moment I mean, there, there are those that would, that would argue that's all you've got is the moment you've got the present. That's it. I would have to agree. Well, I mean, just like anything, it's a choice and it's a choice. I mean, the most powerful conversation that you have every day is the one that you have in your own head with yourself. Sure. And so I think a lot of that, but I can talk myself into or out of anything and make, and make just as strong a case for either, you know? And I, I would say that I'm the exact same way. But what I use as my decision is my gut instinct. Mm-hmm. If I if I lost everything, then I then I lose everything again. You know what I mean? You 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 deal with it. I live such a simple life now. 
what kind of failure could there be? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the real things that kind of freak me out when I think about them are, you know, what if there was an accident or what if there's some kind of health concern mm-hmm. like that? That's going to be a lesson that I'm going to have to deal with. Sure. You know what I mean? But as far as like failure from that, I mean, I, I, I live such an easy life. Like if it, if it, you know, if art plus work doesn't work out, then I move on. Something else will the next you're, you're that much closer to the next thing that will work out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And so it's, it's one of those things, but I, I also, I, I mean, maybe I don't, I don't, I, I take risks, but in very different ways, mm-hmm. you know, like I live a cash only life right now. I have mm-hmm. no credit cards. I don't mess with it. I, I live on what I have and I save what I have and I, and I, and I do it that way. I've tried to simplify things as much as possible. Right. Right. Is, is there a big picture? Oh, I don't know. What do you mean by big picture? Is, is to your life is is there is there some grand design or is it really just a series of moments? I would say, <laughs> in my mind, there really is only one moment. You can only be doing it right now, and so there. I don't know how to explain it. Um, I think you just did. <laughs> I, I don't know that you could put it much better. That was that's great. And it's, it's, it, I think the effort, I mean, if you, you call it struggle, call it effort, call it challenge, whatever you want to call it, the effort is finding that and recognizing it. And it sounds like that's something that you're readily able to do. I would say a lot of it is a choice. Mm-hmm. You, you have to make that choice every time, every moment. It's, um, it, it's part of controlling the dialogue that you have in your head. So do you spend your time? running through all these situations that put you in fear or do you slowly start to change that dialogue? And it's not easy. It's, it's a, it's a bear. Um, but you slowly make the right decisions or I can't even say right. Cause really what is right, but you make decisions that bring you closer to being centered is what I'm getting at mm-hmm. each and every day, each and every time you get up, you change the dialogue. Like and a lot of that is taking, you know, assessing what, what are your fears? What are what are the things that make you uncomfortable? Are they real or are they imagined? I'd like to thank Dalton for sitting down with me for such a great conversation. Uh, to see some of Dalton's portrait work, including his terrific Travelers Project, head over to his website at daltoncampbell.com. Uh, for links to some of the other things that we talked about, uh, you can find the show notes at fadedandblurred.com. If you enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you did, uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice so you don't miss any future episodes. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter, at Jeffrey Sedoris, that's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S. And thank you so much for your time and for allowing me to share this conversation with you. I hope you'll come back for the next one. Mm